0: The Durable Restoration Company is a proud sponsor of Berguin Wright Presents. At Durable Restoration, they specialize in exterior historic restoration services. All of their craftspeople and artisans are employees and trained in-house using traditional materials, tools, and techniques that are tried and true. They have a long list of historic landmarks across the nation that they are proud to have helped preserve for future generations. For all your upcoming restoration needs, contact Durable Restoration at DurableRestoration.com or call toll-free at 1-877-340-9182. For more than 160 years, something you don't see every day has been occupying the corner of 3rd and Chestnut Streets in downtown Wilmington. On this site stands a towering structure, unmistakable in its appearance and unforgettable in its function. Most buildings are constructed with one purpose in mind, but Thalian Hall was far more ambitious than that. It was built as a mecca for the city it anchors, a meeting place for its residents seeking both entertainment and civil service. At once, it is both the grandest stage in the Cape Fear and its greatest seat of power. But it is also rooted in a timeless tradition of performance that some say traces its origins to the very stages that still exist in the region today. The old saying goes that life is a stage, and in Wilmington, there's more than one show waiting in the wings. Hello, and welcome. To Burguen Wright presents Cape Fear Legends and Lore, a podcast series telling the stories of North Carolina's Cape Fear region through the history of one of its oldest historic sites. My name is Hunter Ingram. I'm the Assistant Museum Director for the Burguen Wright House and Gardens here in Wilmington, and I'm your host for this podcast. This season on Burguen Wright Presents... We are cracking open the essential local history text, Stories Old and New of the Cape Fear Region, published in 1956 by famed historian Lewis T. Moore. Each episode, we take a chapter from the book and interrogate the fact and fiction of that story as told by Lewis. What's true, and what's fabrication for the sake of a good story? This season, we're going to get to the bottom of why these stories have survived for centuries in some cases, and what they say about the Cape Fear today. This episode, we're stepping onto center stage at one of Wilmington's most iconic structures, the beloved Thalian Hall. You'll know it by the tall columns that face 3rd Street, or the immaculate stage that sits just behind its doors. There's an undeniable beauty to this structure that has stood at the same spot since the 1850s. But it is also unique for many reasons. It sprung from a theater community that some believe was the first of its kind in the nation. And the structure itself has served as both a theater and Wilmington City Hall for more than a century and a half. So how do city government and community theater find themselves under the same roof? What is the little theater movement that Louis T. Moore claims got its start in Wilmington in his book? And what kind of legends does a building inspire when it holds a city's history within its walls? We'll answer those questions and more on this episode of Berguin Wright Presents Cape Fear Legends and Lore. Joining the show today is Travis Gilbert, the executive director of the Historic Wilmington Foundation and a member of the Thalian Hall Board of Trustees. Travis, thank you so much for joining the show. Uh, Thank you for having me, Hunter. I was excited to bring you on for this episode because you work so closely with Thalian Hall, which is very intimately tied with the story that is in Lewis T. Moore's book here. It is a part of this story, but the chapter about the Thalian's originating this little theater movement, as he's calling it, is is kind of a two-parter. It deals with both the origins of the Thalian Association and the origins of Thalian Hall, the unmistakable, immaculate building in the heart of downtown Wilmington that still serves as a theater and our city hall. And so I want to make sure we distinguish between the two parts of this story, and I want to start with Thalian Association, and, and Lewis T. Moore does give it credit as the pioneer of the little theater movement. So what do you think he means by this? And is there a distinction like this that's held by this local organization?
1: Uh, Yeah, so Louis T. Moore uh, describes it as the little theater movement because it is... amateur community theater organization as opposed to a, a touring uh, professional group. Uh, so the Thalian Association in all of its iterations over the years uh, would have been comprised of actors um, that, were, that were locals. They were Wilmingtonians uh, originally. Uh, back in the day, all men, uh, but now, of course, a, a diverse audience in the current incarnation of uh, Thalian
0: Association. So it's 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 basically a local theater troupe, and as you said, it has had different iterations over time. So if you read Lewis T. Moore's book, he mentions offhandedly, and if and if you look into the history of the Thalian Association, they'll mention like the second Thalian Association, the fourth Thalian Association. So it's put down and picked back up a few times over the years. But do we know for sure that this is the first of its kind? Or is it something that is kind of lovingly referred to as the pioneer of this and then just waiting to see if anybody, you know, kind of disputes it? (laughs)
1: Uh, I'm not sure that I can claim that it is the first of its kind. It certainly would have been uh, one of the oldest uh, community theater organizations in North Carolina. And in um, this new country um, at that time, when it was founded around 1788, the first incarnation of the thaling Association. Uh, so certainly, uh, we can suggest that it is one of the oldest amateur groups. Uh, however, I, I would um, shy from saying it is the oldest of its kind.
0: And that's fair. And that's what we like to do on this show is to at least put a caveat and an asterisk if we need to around some of these claims that are in, in the book and, and in how we tell these stories. And, you know, theater communities, you know, you, as I mentioned, work very closely with, with Thalian Hall, which is still a performing arts center. It still hosts productions all the time from local theater troops, not just a Thalian Association. There are several in Wilmington now. So our local community has been able to really nurture a lot of theatrical groups and a lot of theatrical voices. But what do we know about theater at the time in in late 1700s and then early 1800s as we see the Thalian Association really kind of take root?
1: Yeah, in the late 18th century, uh, you would have uh, these traveling theater troupes that would perform in spaces that were. Um, very uh, flexible. I would describe them as flex spaces. Uh, many communities did not have uh, facilities that were specifically in existence uh, as a performing arts venue. So these traveling theater troops, they would perform uh, in taverns, they would perform in um, kind of meeting halls or Perhaps uh, halls attached to some sort of benevolent or fraternal organization in town and often uh, in the open air they would have been performing uh, in, in community spaces uh, on sidewalks and the streets and fields at Revival S tents of sorts. Uh, but as you uh, go into the, the 19th century, Wilmington receives its first uh, performing arts center of sorts in Innes Academy. Uh, So James Innes was a a military leader in what we would consider the French and Indian War, the Seven Years Wars. Uh, And when he had died, uh, he left behind uh, a will that uh, included covenants that that asked that that money be spent on a, not only an academy, a, a place uh, to educate young men, um, but also it could be used when it is not a school as a performing arts center. Uh, and that facility uh, existed right where Thalian Hall is today. They're at Princess and Third Street and actually was um, torn down or deconstructed in the 1850s when the city uh, decided that that academy no longer fulfilled the needs of the community, which had grown substantially by that point. And uh, by 1850, of course, uh, it was the largest city in the state of North Carolina.
0: So what you're saying is these traveling theater troops, they truly considered the world as their stage. <laughs> All of these places, what they, wherever they could find a place that they could make a stage, that's how they're pulling in these audiences. And I think that's incredibly clever. And it's very eclectic and very cultured. It it makes it feel like this town, even before we had this beacon of entertainment and and, and arts and culture in Thalian Hall, everywhere could really be a stage. And and speaking of Thalian Hall, this kind of takes us up to the history of Thalian Hall, because once Innis Academy is is gone, that's when we see Thalian enter the picture. So how does this this really unique building that is not only a performing arts center, but also City Hall and for a time a library, how does that come to fruition and why was the 1850s the time Wilmington erects theirs? Uh,
1: the 1850s uh, is it seems natural that the city would establish a facility like Thalian Hall during this decade. Uh, By 1840, uh, in the federal census, Wilmington becomes the largest city in the state of North Carolina, beating out New Bern. And uh, so not only did they they lack a, a physical facility where um, a substantial part of the population could gather. Uh, they also had a, a need for a city hall of municipal meeting spaces and offices for the mayor and uh, board of aldermen at that time. Additionally, uh, the other a need was for an armory, uh, a place to store uh, weapons uh, in, in case of defense. Uh, so the city enters what I might call a a public-private partnership. That's a a very um, buzzword right now uh, in Wilmington's current events. And they decide to build not only a city hall, uh, not only an armory, but include in the rear portion of this public facility a theater that was uh, supposed to be managed by uh, another uh, version of the Thalian Association, this um, community theater organization that had been established since about 1788 and uh, would go through kind of iterations where it would um, cease to exist due to membership or finances and then a few years down the line, a a new Thalian Association um, would um, organize themselves. Um, so when the, the building was finished in 1858, uh, this version of the Thalian Association managed the opera house or the theater portion of Thalian Hall on behalf of the city of Wilmington for about two years, and they unfortunately um, had to relinquish uh, management uh, of the theater portion of Thalian Hall due to uh, finances, Uh, clearly just a lack of capital to continue operations. And that ushers in an era of uh, City Hall, uh, the city of Wilmington, uh, leasing out the theater to other uh, um, individuals that um, were theater professionals. Uh, they described thalian in, in different names. Um, at one time, it was the Opera House. At another time, it was called the Academy of Music. I think the, one of the most famous individuals to lease the theater uh, was um, John Ford. Uh, around 1867, he begins leasing the theater. Uh, he is, of course, famous for being the uh, owner and manager of the theater in which President Abraham Lincoln was um, shot uh, and, and eventually succumbed to his wounds uh, at the conclusion of the Civil War. And uh, so, it's it's an, an unusual combination of City Hall, of municipal building, uh, and theater. Uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful example of how. Um, the arts support civic education and civic engagement uh, in our community? Um, how many other city halls in the nation can you, uh, in the middle of a city council meeting, pop your head in and see uh, um, Chicago or Footloose uh, being performed, uh, which I've done on
0: many occasions? It really breaks up the, the sometimes very, very long city council meetings. Because I used to work for the, the Star News here, the newspaper in town, and I would hear the practicing of the next uh, performance when you're sitting in those rooms covering city council meetings. And and as you said, the Hall is still used as this today. You know, we still have that combination of arts and and government, culture and civic service. And so it, it's a really interesting place to have so much history and still see a lot of that original use.
1: Of course, uh, yes. So today, uh, there is a, a nonprofit organization, Thalian Hall Center for the Performing Arts, uh, that manages the theater for uh, the city of Wilmington. Uh, manages the you know the building um, for on behalf of the city of Wilmington. Um, and I, I think that is the confusion often in our community. Uh, we we have a building called Thalian Hall. We have a nonprofit called Thalian Hall Center for the Performing Arts, and then we have a nonprofit called Thalian Association. And uh, Thalian Association is the, the nonprofit community theater, that entity uh, that um, is uh, often performing on the stage at Thalian Hall. Um, they manage uh, another facility owned by the city, the Hanna Block a Historic USO, the Community Arts Center. I'll say a very similar relationship. Um, But Thalian Hall Center for the Performing Arts is this other nonprofit that manages uh, the theater on behalf of the city. And they've been um, in existence um, since uh, they they were called the Thalian um, Hall, uh, it was a commission, Thalian Hall Commission. Um, It was established uh, in the Late seventies and early eighties in its heyday. After a fire in the auditorium sparked an interest in preserving the stage, so it could be used once again as an active theater.
0: Well, and that's one of the the legacies of Thalian Hall and and the Thalian Association in its many forms, is restoration and kind of rebuilding because there have been efforts repeatedly over the years to not only restore the theater and the building itself. But it's it's continued maintenance, you know. As someone who works for a historic home two blocks from Thalian Hall, there's always maintenance that needs to happen at the Bergwyn Wright House. There's always maintenance that needs to happen at Thalian Hall. But there's been some sweeping restorations that have happened at Thalian. So, what has had to be done over time to keep it operational and keep it open to the public as it's been for over 160 years? Certainly, maintenance. Uh, you hit the nail on the head. Um, the Continued
1: preservation of Thalian Hall is a um, consequence of the seamless collaboration and partnership between the City of Wilmington and Thalian Hall Center for the Performing Arts. Uh, I must commend uh, the mayor, city council, city staff for their commitment to historic preservation at Thalian Hall. Um, they uh, contribute to that uh, preservation and that key maintenance as you describe um, year after year. Uh, But then Thalian Hall Center for the Performing Arts over its history has launched um, many a capital campaign in order to not only preserve the hall, but also modernize the hall's facilities so it remains a relevant and comfortable theater into the 21st century. One of the the first uh, capital campaigns uh, began in 1983. And that was, uh, you know, a construction of a you know, $5 million project that took about 18 months to complete um, from at 88 into 90, uh, 1990. Um, and then in 2010, there was another uh, large capital campaign, again, to to modernize the facility. Um, so Thalian Association and other community theater organizations could continue leasing the stage and offer They're wonderful productions uh, for our community and visitors alike. But we are fortunate um, that we have the hall. Um, I think the pivotal uh, moment of Thalian Hall's preservation was in the uh, early, uh, the late 30s and early 1940s. The uh, library, the city library, was actually in the uh, city hall chambers today, up on the second floor. And uh, in order to modernize the facility, uh, there was some construction to build an elevator shaft uh, so one could access that library. Well, the construction of that shaft resulted in the collapse of the uh, Northwestern Wall, about where uh, Mayor Sappho's office is today. And when that wall collapsed, uh, that ignited a conversation within the community about the the wisdom of continuing to maintain this uh, aging building, and whether it would not be wise to start fresh uh, with a new facility. And uh, one of my favorite, I'll call it an op ed of sorts that has ever been submitted uh, to the Star News. Uh, came from Elizabeth McCoy. Uh, She's a great uh, historian in town, and I could go on and on about her contributions. Uh, But she submitted a a short story in which she was visited in her dreams by various historic figures in Wilmington's history. And uh, it kind of has a Charles Dickens-esque plot Uh, But these various figures in Wilmington's history visits Elizabeth um, in her dreams and uh, convinces her that the hall must be saved, the hall must be preserved. Uh, And that uh, short story published in the the Star News at the time was uh, pivotal in changing many hearts and committing uh, WPA funds, uh, this is during the Great Depression. In order to um, you know restore that uh, wall that had been uh, that had collapsed and uh, preserve the hall for continued use, and uh, we
0: we as a community have not looked back since that wall's collapse. And you work every day with the historic preservation of this area, and so these stories of conversations about potentially demolishing Thalian Hall, or at least the 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 idea of maybe there's a more modern use for it have been out there. I imagine that that always kind of sends a chill up your back uh, of having to hear that. But as you said, there's been a real commitment over the years, even though the historic preservation movement, as we know today, is is really rooted in the, in the second half of the 20th century. There's been a, a love of Thalian Hall and a desire to protect it.
1: I agree. I, I think you can find the roots or the inception of the historic preservation movement in Wilmington, at not only Thalian Hall, but your side as well, Hunter, um, with the Berggman Wright House and the Colonial Dames and so forth. Um, So certainly we can look back to Thalian Hall as the uh, inception. This is the seed of historic preservation that reached its heyday, of course, in the late 60s uh, when Historic Wilmington Foundation was founded in 1966 and up and through the present day. Um, I think you can see with the, the city's um, interest in acquiring a facility on the north side, um, the former PPD building, there is one building uh, that the city insists that they would uh, not sell as surplus property in such a move, and that is, of course, um, Thalian Hall. So uh, once again, our community uh, is is solidly behind preservation of the hall as the center, uh, as a seat of government for the city of Wilmington, uh, but also the heart of our uh, region's culture and arts community.
0: And it has such a rich legacy because if you go and read the history of Thalian and it's been written and preserved and, and reinterpreted and, and expanded thanks to people like the late Tony Rivenbark, who worked at, at Thalian Hall for so many years. And you read about names like Buffalo Bill Cody and all of these famous actors who came and did tours through Wilmington, who performed on that stage. And And it's been restored and renovated and, and protected over time. But the legacy is still there. And, and as someone who works with Thalian uh, as part of the board of trustees, do you interact with people who bring you legends and things like that that are associated with alien that you have to dispel or, or things that you might lean into? I mean, what kind of things do people talk to you about that have persisted with this story over mm. time? Uh, ghosts. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the ghost stories are always fun. It's a Ghost stories are a way um, for folks to activate or engage with the space. The um, Historic Wilmington Foundation offers a field trip to every third grader in New Hanover County, and as part of that field trip, they uh, visit Thalian Hall, and uh, that is the number one question uh, for those third graders, is Thalian Hall haunted? Uh, I have not had any kind of supernatural experience at the hall but um I will uh keep my mind open uh in the future uh should that change and respect others um experiences that might delve into some other world um uh, also uh, the use of the third floor um the the third floor uh is often off limits uh one does not go to a show today and uh, sit in the third floor uh, balcony. You often hear that that uh, would have been a space that was segregated, that that would have been for black Wilmingtonians to enjoy a show uh, you know, in the 19th century and into the 20th century. However, we know when certain uh, black leaders would visit uh, Wilmington and provide a, a speech at Thalian Hall, um, such as Frederick Douglass in the 1870s, or W.E.B. Du Bois, uh, Booker T. Washington, uh, that the the configuration of the hall uh, would have been adapted to uh, the communities that would want to be seeing this show. So um, Black Wilmingtonians would not have been just uh, offered seats on the third floor. If Frederick Douglass were in the audience, uh, they would have um, comprised of an overwhelming majority of the audience members in all three levels uh, that evening. So that third floor, although it most uh, today, uh, it is your best glimpse at what the hall looked like uh, in its opening in 1858. Uh, It it is not uh, necessarily a segregated space um, where uh, African-Americans would have been enjoying a show. Um, it's it's a, a ver- it's a variable that would have been changed show to show to show. And, and on that note, um, today the, the second floor and the first floor is, uh, of course, fixed seats. But when this uh, stage opened in 1858, Uh, the main floor would have been comprised of folding chairs that would have been movable. So uh, again, speaking into that configuration based on the size or of the audience or or the the communities of audience members that were coming to enjoy a show, uh, those folding chairs and those um, kind of numerous configurations you can think of would have been adapted show by show by show mm-hmm. and uh, that's really helpful in knowing that there were bazaars and, and other types of community events that would occur occurred at Thalian Hall uh, because they had the ability to you know remove all the folding chairs and have one big empty room as an exhibit hall of sorts. Um, today you're, you're lost on that impression because it has that, those naturally um, fixed seats of sorts
0: like the stadium seating it goes a little bit up as you can see for yeah, the best exactly <laughs> it's a it's again it, it's changed over time but the historic structure is still there you know what people would have seen in in the late 1850s into the the latter part of the 19th century is is still very much intact thanks to the work of historic preservationists and and people who have been very involved over time what do you think the legacy of Thalian Hall is in Wilmington? I know we talked a little bit about its dual use as a civic center and also a performing arts center. But is it this kind of leader of historic preservation, as you mentioned, kind of this anchor of of what's possible when you preserve structures like this and, and historic homes like the, the Bergwin Wright House?
1: That's a great question, Hunter. Uh, what is the legacy of Thalian Hall? Yes, I would argue that one of its legacies is the, the birth, um, the forefather, if you will, of historic preservation in our community. I think another legacy of Thalian Hall is the breadth and the um, quality of performing arts in this community. I think that is a natural consequence of our city hall being uh, in a facility that also has a functioning theater. Uh, we are so fortunate to have not only numerous stages from something as large as the Wilson Center to something as intimate as the um, the old city stage uh, in the Scottish Rite, the Masonic Building there on North Front Street every kind of combination in between, but the, the number of community theater groups and the offerings that our community um, is able to choose from on any given weekend, and then the quality when you go to those shows, that's a legacy of Thalian Hall, of our community's decision in the 1850s to marry municipal local government and uh, the performing
0: arts. You have to have a a sturdy foundation to build a community that so warmly embraces that much of a theater community. And I mean, it even extends to a film industry. I mean, we we have a theatricality to us that really extends from Thalian Hall. And so, and it extends from that little theater movement, as Lewis T. Moore calls it, whether it's the first one or not. uh, It certainly had a, a lasting impact here in Wilmington and at Thalian Hall, which. I would encourage people to go see shows at, to go visit, to go to a city council meeting. They are still there. And, um, and then learn a little bit about its history. There's been efforts made to make sure that you can't miss the work that's been done there and the, the beauty they've really they've really preserved. And so I would encourage people to do that and, uh, and see it uh, for themselves. But Travis, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you so much for the work that you do through the Historic Wilmington Foundation and I encourage people to to come to Thalian and, and come to the Bergwin Wright House. We are a great example of the lineage of preservation.
1: Absolutely, uh, there's so many great ways to engage with Thalian Hall. Uh, we offer tours of the facility. Uh, you can visit alienhall.org to learn about those tours. Come see a main attraction. Come see a a local theater, um, community theater group perform. Uh, Like I said, come to a city hall meeting. We're looking forward to seeing y'all at the hall. Thank you so much, Travis. Thank you, Hunter.
0: That's it for this episode of Bergwyn Wright Presents, Cape Fear Legends and Lore. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll be back in two weeks with our next episode, where we will explore the fact versus fiction in another chapter of Lewis T. Moore's Stories Old and New of the Cape Fear Region. Until then, be sure to subscribe to this podcast by searching Bergwyn Wright Presents on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. You can also visit us at the Burgwynn Wright House in Wilmington. Monday through Saturday, we give tours of the site that will expose you to a fascinating history of North Carolina in colonial America. And while you're there, you can also pick up a copy of Stories Old and New of the Cape Fear region, which is now available in our gift shop. And be sure to follow the Burgwynn Wright House and Gardens on all social media platforms, including Facebook and Instagram. For the latest on what we're doing at the site. As a nonprofit, this podcast and all the exciting projects done at the Berguin Wright House are made possible by donations and community support. Please consider making a donation, or better yet, join our membership program with exclusive perks and tours. All the money raised goes towards the further education and preservation of Wilmington's oldest historic site. For more information, visit our website in each episode's description or at bergwinwrighthouse.com. And thank you so much for your support. This podcast is written, edited, and hosted by me, Hunter Ingram. We would like to thank Durable Restoration Company for sponsoring the podcast this season. And we would also like to take a moment to thank Rachel Ross for our cover art, and the National Society of the Colonial Dames of America in the state of North Carolina for their continued support. See you next time on Burgwyn Wright Presents Cape Fear Legends and Lore. The Durable Restoration Company is a proud sponsor of Berguin Wright Presents. At Durable Restoration, they specialize in exterior historic restoration services. All of their craftspeople and artisans are employees and trained in-house using traditional materials, tools, and techniques that are tried and true. They have a long list of historic landmarks across the nation that they are proud to have helped preserve for future generations. For all your upcoming restoration needs, contact Durable Restoration at DurableRestoration.com or call toll-free at 1-877-340-9182.